Welcome to And The Nominee Is, an Oklahoma podcast with a twist. Hi, I'm Julie Clemens, and I'm your host. So here's how it works. Each guest has been nominated by a previous guest. All of the guests have a connection to Oklahoma, whether they've just visited here, they work here, or they live here. This keeps the podcast fresh, fun, and right here in Oklahoma. Now you know. So let's get started. Welcome to And the Nominee Is, and our nominee today is Reese Martin. Thank you for being on the podcast today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes, we love having you here. So let me get this straight. You are, um, I have all this written down here. I have like three pages of notes about you, my friend. Let me tell you. So first one is you're the the president of the Oklahoma Route 66 Association. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. How how are you that old to be president of a Route 66? You are so young. You look like you could be president of the student council. Come on. Uh, well, thank you. The text <laughs> in the mail for that. Um, I'm, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm 41 years old. And anytime I go to any of these Route 66 gatherings, I'm still one of the youngest people in the room. Um, and that's that's part of the, the difficulty that comes with anything like this that's dedicated to like a historic highway or things like that is usually people get involved at a bit of an older age. But, you know, I fell in, the, fell in love with the road as a photographer and a writer. Um, and, you know, that just happened at a time uh, when I was a bit younger and a, a leadership position came available and I was interested in advocating for the road. And here I am. Speaking uh, of your age and what you're doing and and president of the Route 66 Association, Mary Beth Babcock, who is fascinated by Route 66, loves it as well, just like you, is the one who nominated you. Uh, One thing that I noticed when I was looking through all your material is um, you have a picture of her iconic Buck Adams in Times Square, right? Yes. How did that happen? Uh, So through my, you know, just I'm engaged with Route 66 folks all up and down the road. And like I mentioned, you know, photography was my first passion that got me involved. And that has continued. And uh, the state tourism office had an open call for uh, pictures related to Route 66 they could use to help promote. Um, And that picture of Buck Adams was one I submitted to them and that they accepted along with pictures from other photographers and across the state. And that just so happened to be one that they elected to use in that Times Square billboard, which I'm, I'm very honored. I would be too. I can't imagine being in Times Square, all those lights, and right there, there's just Buck Adams looking down at you from Tulsa, Oklahoma. That That is quite an honor. So let's back up just a little bit, talking about um, photography, how you got into it. I was reading uh, that you had a quarter-life crisis, and you sold everything. You went backpacking across, what, Southeast Asia and Europe. What's sparked that move and what did you do when you were there oh gosh yeah i mean as you might imagine that changed everything um yeah you know quarter life crisis is about the best bracket i can put around that time like i was (laughs) unhappy in my job i was unhappy my first marriage wasn't going very well so when i left the country i uh i had just kind of i don't want to say i reached a dead end but i was just not happy i was where i was supposed to be i had 
bought a new house and I had a, a nice secure corporate job and I was married and I just kind of hit a moment where I realized I hadn't questioned much about myself. I wasn't really happy and uh, thought, you know what, we'll just head out. And so just sold everything and left and backpacked through a dozen different countries. Um, that started with a ship uh, journey on a container ship, Long Beach, California to New Zealand, which that was I'd never seen the ocean before at 28 years old and then spent two weeks on it um, kind of along with, with crew of a, of a container ship, which was quite an experience in and of itself. Uh, but after that, just kind of hopped around and it, it started experiencing a lot of other cultures. Again, that's where I fell in love with photography and writing in the first place. I wanted to kind of write about what I was seeing and doing and share it with friends and family back home. Uh, so after, after that time, you know, you know, New Zealand was amazing. Southeast Asia was great. Japan was very eye-opening. Uh, and then a bit of time uh, in uh, in Europe, uh, like France, Italy, and then uh, England. I uh, came home and realized I'd lived in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area my whole life, and I'd never really paid attention to our history or what made our my home special. And that's when I started exploring around here, and I discovered Route 66 in about 2013. Uh, I took a little road trip from Tulsa up to the Coleman Theater in Miami, uh, which is a beautiful gem of a vaudeville-era um, venue that is just blew my mind. And I was like, man, this has been here the whole time. Is that just I've, something, is that something that's just open to the public? It is. You can go up, you can, they'll take you on a tour for free. And, you know, it was built in 1929 by a guy that had made a ton of money in mining and was irritated that none of the big acts were coming through his small town. So he built this amazing theater to get folks like Tom Mix and Will Rogers uh, to come out and perform in Miami. Uh, it's just incredible. And so I went there and I experienced that and saw this little slice of history and thought, man, what else is out here on this road? About two years later, I'd driven the whole thing end to end. And then I started to meet the people that were passionate about the road. And then I started to meet the people that were part of organizations like the Oklahoma Association. I was... I was in it by then. Now, did it take you two years to actually do Route 66? What is over over 2,400 miles, right? Chicago to Santa Monica? That's right. Yep. Or, yeah. And so I did it in pieces. And uh, the August of 2015 was the time I, I took the last little section I hadn't driven myself, which was in Illinois. So that that's when I had completed the whole road and had driven it end to end, even though not all at once. So typically when people reach out to us saying, hey, we want to travel Route 66 from Chicago to LA, how much time should we have? And it's like, well, if you want to do it right, you know, and you've got the time, three weeks is good. But most people don't have three weeks. And so, you know, you can break it up in a bunch of different ways. And that's how I did it. So what would you recommend for someone who says, okay, I'm ready to do this. I have three weeks. What should I pack, Reese? What should I take with me? And what do I look for? Well, the first thing I would recommend is there is a spiral bound travel guide called the Easy Guide to 66, which is actually uh, made by a man in Oklahoma named Jerry McClanahan. He lives in Chandler. Um, and he has put out editions every few years of this guide, which is a turn-by-turn -turn guidebook to get you from Chicago to LA or vice versa. Uh, that's here's how you stay on Route 66, here's what to see and do in these communities, here's a little bit of history. It's the best one item you can take with you on a Route 66 trip. But really the, the best piece of advice I can give anybody that wants to experience Route 66 is however you do it, make sure you make time for it. It's not just pull over, get a picture of the blue whale and go on down the road. It's Stop. Talk to the people. Hear their stories. Share your story back with them. And however much time it takes you to do that, that's really the, the real meat of this journey is getting to meet people 
experience these small towns that Route 66 has been the lifeblood for them for almost 100 years now and just experience it that way because you know if you just stop and take a picture and, and leave you know you're missing the most important part right everything has a story and especially different locations and to get those local stories that's yeah that's pretty incredible how did you start in photography was that something you just picked up you just have a natural eye for it did you take classes tell me that story so that was just very a natural evolution um, I when I left the country I thought well I want to have some way to take pictures and share them with my friends and family. And this was in 2009. Cell phones hadn't gotten to the point where they are now. Um, and I bought a little point-and-shoot camera and thought, well, I can hook this up into this little tiny laptop I'm taking with me. That'll be easy enough. And halfway through my journey, I upgraded my camera because I was enjoying it so much. And then when I got home, I just didn't stop. And, uh, you know, wow. I would say that my... Uh, my skill has developed, so to speak, over time. Um, and, you know, it, it took a while for me to start taking pictures where I felt like what I was seeing in my brain matched what was actually in the camera lens. And so, but it's it's something that I'm always trying to refine and stuff, but no, no professional um, training or anything. You have a website called cloudlesslens.com, correct? Yep. That's kind of my online conduit for all of my photography. Incredible pictures. I know I'm using that word incredible a lot, but I was looking at it saying, okay, he has has to have some kind of training, you know, in photography. You really do have an eye for that. They're just beautiful pictures. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, speaking of beautiful pictures, you have a book out called The Lost Restaurants of Tulsa. How did that come about? Because um, there are a lot of other places that have restaurants, right? So, and I know you're from the Tulsa area. Was that the draw? Are you a are you a foodie <laughs> at heart, <laughs> and you like all the the food? What what about the restaurants that captured you? Well, it, it, it's interesting. When I'm in a room talking about that book or talking to other authors, they usually get really upset because they ask the same question. Man, how did you get this published? And the honest answer is they came to me. Um, I kept my travel blog going after I got home and started exploring around here. And uh, I had gone down and to Oklahoma City to take pictures of the charcoal oven, which is a great little roadside burger place with a big neon sign that was closing. And I just thought, oh, come down here, have a burger, take pictures of this beautiful sign, because it's all going to be gone. Which really felt, you know, it was real similar to my love of Route 66. It's this kind of roadside Americana appreciation. And I wrote about it and all that kind of stuff. Well, the folks at this publishing company out of Chicago saw that post, um, had worked with a few of my Route 66 friends on other books, got my contact information, and then just called me, just cold called me one day and said, hey, we have a couple of these kind of classic restaurant books in a few communities, and we'd really like to do Tulsa. Would you be interested? And I said, well, yeah, sure. Wow. You know, I, I, I kind of write a little bit on my blog and things like that. This is going to be great without really understanding how deep that water was going to be. Because out of high school, I went straight to the workforce. I didn't go to college. And so I didn't really have an idea of what that kind of hardcore research kind of situation looked like. And uh, it, it took a while, but... It feels like a very natural outcropping of my love of Route 66 and kind of the stories of people. And that's what I approach, how I approach that book is, yeah, these old restaurants that Tulsans loved that have been closed for years and that are gone is a part of it. But I wanted to know the stories behind the families that ran these places because they're all family-owned joints. And, um, and so that was what I'm proudest of is the fact that someone can go pick up a copy of this book. And even if you weren't around, like myself, I, there's only one restaurant, two restaurants in that entire book I ever went to myself. Everything else I just learned about from other people. And I wanted to make it enjoyable for folks that just want to learn a little bit about the history of Tulsa just through a very different lens. 
I wouldn't really classify myself as a foodie in, you know, the traditional way, but I, I love a good diner. I love a good, you know, kind of greasy spoon burger and that that fit that that worked well. Oh, so. yeah. How many restaurants do you feature in the book? Um, and are they they're all lost. So they're all prior, right? There's no recent restaurants still open. They're all gone. Um, yeah, uh, almost 50 in there goes all the, the first restaurant is opened in 1930 and the last one closed the actual the epilogue of the book is my lost restaurant the one that i miss the most uh, because it was the rest the last restaurant i ate at with my father before his passing and what restaurant was that it was the blue dome diner which was in downtown tulsa uh, you know right as, after i got home from traveling internationally you know i, I kind of returned to tulsa and wanted to figure out what the rest of my life was and Shortly after returning, my dad died suddenly. He wasn't sick or anything. Sorry. I just got a phone call one day. And, you know, going through that experience and, and figuring myself out after having to navigate that was another thing that really inspired me to make the most of now and explore and not just, you know, work myself to the bone and figure, well, I'll get to it when I retire. He didn't get that luxury. So, you know, it's... I. The Mustang that I have was his car. And so oh, when wow. I'm out driving and exploring, you know, it's in his car. And even though he's been gone now for over a decade, you know, he, I can still look over and feel him in that passenger seat. And it's it's a really nice thing. So do you ever plan on uh, doing the Route 66 route again? So um, is that in your future to travel that road again? I'm always on 66. Most of the days it's here in Oklahoma as I'm, you know, kind of executing my duties as president of the association or gathering with friends but just this may i took that same mustang out to santa monica for a road that's that's almost 100 years old it's constantly evolving so every chance i get i go out and explore it again and and it's a family now i go out to arizona i go up to illinois and i know people in all these small towns and so it's stopping hey how you doing what's going on and um, I, I love getting out there and, and exploring it still and, and seeing either the things I missed or the things that have changed or just settling in the things that haven't changed and saying, well, isn't it nice that this is still here exactly the way it should be. What was your favorite part of Route 66? Like if there was a time, maybe not even a favorite picture that you took, but your favorite part on Route 66, what grabs your heart or what comes to mind first? Mm, that's like picking a favorite kid. Um, <laughs> So I'm, I'll give you two answers. So in Oklahoma, my favorite section of the road is west of uh, El Reno. Uh, there's a stretch of original pavement out that way that's the original cement that was put down in the 1930s. You drive over and you can still feel that kind of clack clack of the, of the panels. It's got curbs on the side to help with drainage out there. And the landscape hasn't changed at all since, since that time, except, you know, maybe the houses are a little bigger and the farm equipment's a little more advanced, but the general landscape is, is very similar to how it used to be. The section of Route 66 that sticks with me the most is the stretch west of Kingman, Arizona, as you approach the California border. The original alignment through there goes through the town of Oatman and kind of snakes up through the Black Mountains there. And it's this beautiful switchback road up to the mountains, this two-lane road that I, I can't imagine taking in an old Cadillac or let alone an RV or something huge. You know, it's just gorgeous and unlike any other part of the road well how impressive that you got to go in um your your dad's mustang right did you say it was convertible it's not no it's, oh okay uh, okay it's a 2005 and it was that first year they kind of did that retro style of the of the of the car 
Right. And uh, he loved that thing. Like, it was his baby. And so whenever it became mine, you know, I just said, well, I'm, I'm not going to put it in the garage and, and buff it once a week and only take it out on special occasions. I'm just going to drive till the wheels fall off. And I just, I love getting out on the road on it. Is there a picture of you in the car on Route 66? Oh, several. Usually <laughs> I'm the one driving, so they're not mine. But I, I have had a, I've the, the good fortune of having some folks take some pictures of me in it that I really like. Uh, but I have all kinds of pictures of the car by itself next to all these different landmarks on Route 66 to kind of signify that journey. You know, I've never taken the road. I've been on Route 66, you know, here bits and pieces of it, but I've never done the entire thing. And that's really on my bucket list. And it's funny that um, I'm talking to you because over the years, and I guess as we age, I see a lot of friends say, you know, on my bucket list, I want to do Route 66. Until I got a little older, I'm older than you are, I didn't get it. But reading about it, talking to you, it really makes me, because there's no way we know where our future can go, right, until we discover the past. And so I think it's just so important to travel that road, to hear the stories, to explore. And it leads us right through Tulsa. And I know when I was talking to Mary Beth, she was talking about the Meadow Gold District is what they're Mm -hmm. calling it now. A lot of pictures in your book are probably right there off 11th Street, I would imagine. The Meadow Gold District is a really great example of an area that, you know, when Route 66 was rerouted and decertified and did lost its status as a federal highway, you know, the road just kind of sank down for a couple of years and wasn't really, these communities kind of rode it off. Uh, but Tulsa's really lucky in that, gosh, back in 05, they put a, the city did this huge master plan with their city planners saying, you know what, Route 66 is important. And we're going to invest in it a little bit. We're going to make it a destination. The city has their own Route 66 commission that works on marketing and preservation efforts. And they've, they've really put some money behind that. And the medical district shows what has happened when the city invests a little bit. You encourage people to come in and say, you know, Route 66 is still here. It's still important. And by the way, it gets people visiting from all over the world all year long. That's something that shocks a lot of people is that... You, you, you know, put a chair down at the Blue Whale or you go into Mary Beth's shop there in Tulsa or any of these museums out in western Oklahoma and you just talk to people that come through the door, you're going to talk to people from France or from China or from Australia or from South America. You know, that if for them it's a bucket list item. I was just taking some pictures uh, last weekend at a little uh, Route 66 village here in Tulsa where they've got this old locomotive and a little replica Phillips 66 station and... Uh, just taking some pictures of some friends' cars. And uh, this couple pulls up because they saw some neat cars sitting there and wanted to take some pictures themselves. And it was this Italian couple on their honeymoon that were doing Route 66. Wow. It's just incredible, the the people that you meet. And again, it's all part of that stories. It's not just about the folks that are running these places. It's the other folks that stop while you're there because you never know who you'll encounter. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about your website, because like I said, I, I mentioned it before, um, the cloudlesslens.com. And I really would love to direct people to your website to see your pictures, to discover. I mean, you have all kinds of stuff that are for sale. Shirts, right? Pins. Um, I, I saw some things that had like Casa Bonita on them. And I was like, oh, I miss that. I'm not <laughs> sure that I was crazy about the food, but the, uh, well, no, the, the you know, the whole the point, experience right? was great. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Pagoda. Um, just, you know, some of those that I was like, wow, I forgot about those. And it's so nice that you have some merchandise 
really to sell. What else do you have on your website? Well, so that's a place people can get signed copies of Lost Restaurants of Tulsa. Um, it does have a link out to a t-shirt store that I have that I've been able to assemble using some of the imagery I've collected over these restaurants that have been gone for a long time. And honestly, it's because I wanted a shirt that had that and I figured, well, I might as well make it available just in case someone else does. Um, and so most of these restaurants I engaged with family during the process and I said, hey, is it okay if I do this? Because, you know, any of these, you know, print-on-demand t-shirt shops, you know, there's really not any profit that's made in that kind of stuff. It's just expanding the message and saying, you like Casa Bonita? Well, great. Here's a way you can tell people that just by what you're wearing. Um, or so you can put it on in the, in the morning and be like, man, I have some really great memories from this place. And that kind of literally wraps you up in them. Uh, but it's the same thing with the lapel pins and things like that that I have up there. It's just because it's something I wanted to have or I wanted to wear. And usually you can't just say, well, I want one lapel pin that, you know, looks like, you know, the Route 66 shield. I got to buy a hundred of them. And it's like, well, I might right. as well, you know, find a way to, you know, distribute these to some others if they happen to be interested also. It's but, a great uh, idea. And what a conversation starter. Right. You know, I've, you know, I've got cop copies of all of them. And so when I go out in public and wear a shirt that has like the boots drive in on it, uh, which was a little burger hop place there at 17th and Sheridan in Tulsa, uh, most folks don't give it any mind, but the people that do understand it just point and are like, hey, <laughs> and we get to have a little conversation. That is wonderful. All right. So um, we are at the part of our podcast, Reese, where you get to nominate someone else for a, another podcast. And I know you have someone important in mind that just goes right along with our Route 66 theme. It does, um, and goes a little beyond that. So I, I, what I would like to do is nominate Ken Busby. Uh, he is the executive director and CEO of the Route 66 Alliance, which is a group based here in Tulsa, but they have a bit more of a national focus when it comes to Route 66 promotion and development. But uh, Ken has been very involved with uh, in Tulsa for years, and as the uh, self-proclaimed cultural czar of the city, um, Ken, I can <laughs> sit down with him, and we can talk about the symphony. We can talk about art. We can talk about um, any number of things, and I always learn from him. And so, anytime there's an opportunity to introduce Ken and his vast array of knowledge to other people, I take it. So, um, I, I think you all will really enjoy getting to know him a little better. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to having Ken on the show. And you have been fabulous being on. You have educated me. Now, before I let you go, what is, what's your next move? What are you going to take pictures of or places you're going to visit? Well, really, uh, things are gearing up for the centennial. The, the Route 66 turns 100 years old in 2026. So I am working with the other seven state associations and a few national groups uh, to kind of start laying the groundwork for that, um, working with the lieutenant governor and state legislature and all that, which is taking up a lot of time. Uh, but uh, one of my wife's best friends is getting married in San Francisco the week of Labor Day. And so my next trip is going to be a tr another trip west, and I'll get to hopefully stop by a few places, see some Route 66 friends, but also explore a little bit more of uh, California and maybe Utah if I can convince the wife to take an extra day and, and take a different road home. Uh, just to, you know, experience more of the wonderful things this country has to offer. Yes. Well, safe travels to you, my friend, and enjoy. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today and having such a wonderful nominee or nomination, rather. Yeah, we're going to have a good talk with Ken. Great. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me. All right. Thank you, Reese. Have a great day. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode of And the Nominee Is. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.